Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. And I'm John Lacombe. Well, guys, we promised a special guest. Uh, we teased it a lot last episode. I don't think you will be disappointed. Um, John, you had the amazing opportunity to catch up with John Sherna uh, from the Northwestern basketball team of yesteryear. Uh, great conversation. Like, I cannot wait to hear this conversation that you had with him. Um, yeah, Just amazing. And, and uh, everyone who's listening is going to get a lot out of this. This is one of the most fun conversations I have had in the entire duration of this pod. This was so much fun. You're all going to love it so much, catching up with an all-time Northwestern great who is just the best guy and one of the most fun guys to talk to. Um, So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it just as much as we did. Uh, So without much further ado, uh, let's get to that interview now. So we are so thrilled to have Northwestern legend, Northwestern career leading scorer, um, member of one of the most sustained runs of success in Northwestern basketball history, and a man who has had a incredible and especially recently very exciting pro career, John Sherna to the pod. John, thank you so much for jumping on with us today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Like I said, uh, a lot of multiple uh, alumni reached out to me, and I'm really happy happy to be on and happy we were able to get this together and make it work. Yeah, it's it's so funny. We, we were talking about um, we we threw this out and then heard back from you and were so excited to put this together. We were joking that many moons ago, at, at closer to the dawn of this podcast, we had Juice Thompson on at the start of his own pro career. And we were just, you know, one way to juxtapose the the place you're in your career now versus the place he was in his career then. And the place our podcast is now versus then is between you and us to get this to, to come together. We were dealing with three time zones, two continents and eight total children. So uh, thank you for thank you for bearing with us and getting this to come together. Thank you, guys. Like I said, I'm not, like you mentioned, we're not. I'm not the only one with kids, so it, uh, I'm glad we got our schedules all to work, uh, all to uh, work around each other's schedules and make this work. So I'm happy to be on. And uh, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of different variables now from uh, back when uh, Juice just started his pro career. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so to to start us off, can you tell us right now at this point in time, kind of where you are, but where your team? Um, Grand Canaria stands in terms of this amazing season that just kind of wrapped up and, and kind of going forward for the team. Yeah. So we, uh, like we were fortunate to win, win that Euro cup, uh, championship, which was exciting. And to give people an idea, there's, um, you have your domestic league. So Grand Canaria participates in the Spanish league and then, there's different European competitions as well. And so the top league is the Euro League. And then the competition below the Euro League is the Euro Cup. And when winning the Euro Cup, your team then uh, gets to move up uh, into the top top European competition, which is the Euro League. We just finished our domestic league. We finished sixth in the regular season. And we lost to Real Madrid, who happened to win the Euro League as well. So uh, tough competition, but um, no, we had a we had a good season overall. It's is that so for for Grand Canaria and and again this is I've seen conflicting pronunciations online. So if I'm not pronouncing it correctly, uh, please correct me. Is this kind of uncharted waters for the team, or is this a place you know that they've been, or like where where is this run you know relative to the history of the club? So if, for the European competition, it's the first time they've won the Euro Cup. They participated in the Euro League maybe five or six years back for one for one year. Um, but to give people an idea, so Grand Canary is part of the Canary Islands, which is uh, it's a beautiful place. But it, for travel purposes, it's an island off the coast of Africa. So when you're participating in the different European competitions... You're go. You're traveling to France, Spain, Italy, uh, 
trying to think where else, like you name it, Turkey, uh, we've, Germany, we've been all over. So traveling from Gran Canaria is pretty challenging. I think they came out with a stat that where like typically NBA teams on average travel 66 kilometers, 66,000 kilometers in a season. And our team traveled 122,000 kilometers. <laughs> and we don't travel with like we're we're not taking charter planes uh, with our team's budget. We're flying all commercial flights, um, so it's multiple flights, and with layovers and things like that, it's uh, it's taxing on the body. So it's a beautiful place to be, but in terms of uh, the European travel and competitions, it definitely takes its toll on you. Yeah, I think we were kind of getting the the feel of that because we're and we'll get to this in a second, but I think when Northwestern Nation became aware of where your team is located there was the initial he's playing in paradise <laughs> and and it absolutely is that I, <laughs> I'm definitely I'm sunshine no i'm uh, i'm definitely fortunate uh, when when on the island it's a beautiful place i recommend it to everybody yeah and then, but then as as we started emailing you and you were kind of we were trying to get this together and and the you were kind of through that we were getting a feel of your the logistics a little taste of what you were just describing and being like maybe this isn't quite as fun because i'm listening and he's talking about yeah here if we're here or if i'm back on the mainland and yeah um yeah exactly and uh like we were mentioning with with kids it throws uh, uh you know for my wife it's uh just as much a challenge too being uh because there's no so if you're playing in like if you're playing in the peninsula and mainland spain you can play your game like you can take a train or a bus to a lot of these places and you can come back that night but when you're on an island you have to travel by plane obviously and so it's what could be a day trip it turns into a three-day trip because you have to travel the night before and depending on uh like you said like flight logistics and time so it's uh I'm like I said. I'm definitely fortunate. Like I get to play basketball and live out my dreams, and I play in an island. Uh, but there are uh, a couple. A couple of the negatives are uh, the travel from Grand Canaria. Absolutely, and it's so. I mean, it's funny because you bring up all of the the issues not only um, as a as a professional basketball player, but also with your family. And we want to get to all of that, but I think first, I think. Northwestern Nation is kind of going to demand that we back up for a second and kind of set the stage here. Um, because <clears throat> I think one of the, the ways that's really interesting for us and to kind of put this into context, and we were thinking about this um, as we were putting, you know, getting this together with you, is less than a week ago, Northwestern Nation effectively waved goodbye to Chase Adige as a Northwestern basketball player. It was the the day that he officially, you know, announced he was going to be staying in the draft process and beginning his pro career. And it's an interesting point of context because that's the moment, right? So we're all like, okay, this is the official moment where we all say, Chase, you have made done, you know, you've meant so much to us. You're in our hearts forever. And I haven't gotten to. I haven't listened to all your guys' podcasts, but I uh, have to imagine in terms of being a Northwestern basketball fan, it was the high of highs with this past season, right? Oh, it was incredible. And yeah. the, and Chase was, I mean, Defensive Player of the Year finalist. We're 100% sure he was the, the best defensive basketball player in the country. Um, yeah. And he's, I mean, if everyone's looking for three and D and he plays D like he played every single game and he hits threes like he hit him in the Purdue game or the, then he's, he's set. But it's funny because at that point in time, you know, we were thinking about this. We're, you know, Chase is at that exact same moment now, effectively that you were 11 years earlier. Right. And I think in the interim, since that point, we've had this long period of time where serious Northwestern fans at times are vaguely aware of things like, okay, like, John Shern is now rocking this full-on Jeremiah Johnson mountain man beard. He's playing really good basketball at the highest level in Europe. Like we're we're vaguely aware of these things. Or we real, see. real diehard, and maybe even a sicko too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the beard, the beard kind of caught everyone's yeah, attention. Yeah, no, right? no, no, no. Similar to this, uh, like uh, this Euro Cup. The yeah, they ended up writing that article. So yeah, no, I, no, no, no. I I didn't mean it. In, uh, 
in a negative hey, light. A little bit down the road, we'll get your thoughts on NIL, but it seemed like really solid branding, the whole the whole beard thing. <laughs> um, but But then to your point, right, there suddenly was this collective moment during the final stages of the Euro Cup this year where all Northwestern fans suddenly went like, holy crap, John Shearn is playing awesome basketball on a big stage right now. And then suddenly there was like this kind of John Shearn renaissance in Northwestern Nation. Suddenly everyone's tweeting about you and being like, whoa, look where Shearn is right now. So with all of that preamble, we wanted to kind of go on this journey from where, you know, where you started, where Chase Adij is right now. To suddenly, you know, you playing Real Madrid in the Spanish League playoffs and holding a Euro Cup Finals MVP trophy 11 years later. So does that sound good? Can we go kind of go down memory lane here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll do my best. Uh, like you said, getting older, but I'll do my best. to remember <laughs> all of it. Perfect. So if we start, you know, going to kind of literally where where Chase is right now or with where any player who's entering the pro process is right now. What was the NBA exploration process for you post-Northwestern? Like, how did that begin? And then at what point did playing in Europe first enter the picture for you? Right. So the pre-draft process was interesting for me in that Northwestern being on the quarter system, I was going to these workouts with NBA teams while still finishing up, uh, while still taking classes and finishing up school. Um, So I went through the process. I ended up, I didn't walk in my graduation actually, um, because I had a workout with the Los Angeles Clippers that day. Um, okay. so like the quarter system made it different, but like it was, uh, you know, you're living out your dream. It's an opportunity to play, play in the NBA. Um, so it was, uh, something I always remember getting to meet different people, working out for various teams, getting, when I worked out for the Bucks, I worked, I, Got to talk with, like, I got to meet Billy, not meet, but uh, Billy McKinney was there working for the Milwaukee Bucks at the time. Um, so seeing North, a lot of different Northwestern alum, whether it be Daryl Morey as well, um, like a lot of uh, proud Northwestern alum and just living out your dream, uh, trying to make it to the NBA. So it's funny you mentioned Billy McKinney because we were just tweeting today about Tweeting again the fact that McKinney is going to be having his jersey retired this yeah, year. Yeah, how amazing and, is that? Uh, couldn't happen. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. We had a chance to talk with him a little this year, and it was it was really, uh, really great. And right, I mean, it's it's really cool to be able to ta- to taste those pieces of the the fraternity um, or or sorority. Heck, Lisa Byington is <laughs> doing play by play for the Bucks now. Um, <laughs> but so when so when does Europe like? how does that part start up? Like, how does it start up where, like, does your agent come to you and say here, like these teams are looking at you or do you go, Hey, maybe I should consider playing in Europe. Like, how did that start for you? Right. So I, my first year, so during, I signed a contract with the New York Knicks. Um, and I went to preseason with the New York Knicks that fall. Um, which was like you said, to get it. I was as close as I, could get to my dream and I got to at that time the Knicks had a lot of veterans on their team um so when calling my mom like yeah we played pickup today and it was Carmelo Anthony J.R. Smith Marcus Camby Jason Kidd like you go down the list of that team like Rasheed Wallace like growing up a basketball junkie like how I was in the okay when you're in the moment you're just playing and competing. But then like when calling my mom that night being like, Hey, we were like, play, I played with these guys today. It was uh, pretty, pretty surreal. Um, and yeah, then to yeah. get to your point of uh, the European basketball. So I got cut um, at the end of October and the European season starts up typically in September and guys will come over for preseason in August. So the season had already started and knowing nothing about European basketball, but um, there was no two-way contracts at the time. And the G League um, was just not something that appealed to me. Um, So I wanted to pursue a European career or a contract in Europe. And so I signed my first contract in Strasbourg, France, where um, my agent called me on a 
Saturday morning. And I think my flight was Sunday afternoon. And I signed a contract for an injured player that was on a, I was on a six week contract. And my dad was out of town and my mom was like, I was like, mom, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to France. <laughs> like, all right, well, when, when you going? Like, tomorrow. And she like, look of shock and excitement, but I think a little bit of sadness. So like any mother, she's like, you know, you got to pack warm. So I had like three, my whole bag was warm coats. And it's the first thing you do when you get your, when you go to weigh your coat, like weigh your luggage my bag's overweight. So I'm wearing like, I end up wearing like three coats onto the plane, just dripping sweat. And to make, to make a long story long, the first thing they gave me when I got to Strasburg was obviously a coat. So, <laughs> but it was, uh, no. So yeah, those were my, uh, first experiences. It was, yeah, I, I love playing basketball. Um, and so it was like, all right, you leave tomorrow. Uh, okay, here, here we go. That sounds like almost like the perfect intro to what had to be a pretty hectic stretch there. I mean, I'm like, we were kind of doing the math and it's like, you're the start of your European career. I mean, by our count, it's like five teams, four countries in five years. Is that like standard in the European game? Like, what is it? I mean, so first of all, like, what is it like to cope with that? But is that a standard thing or is that just something that you went through? I think it's, pretty standard in terms of the change like the changing of teams each year um because typically you're trying to get to these to those euro league teams to those top teams so a lot of times teams will just sign you for your on a one year sign you for a one-year contract and it's uh it's a prove it year every year which is uh exciting but stressful too at the same time how i mean is yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to imagine, like, as you bridge the gap between those teams, like, I mean, is there, is every season, like, how, like, how much track is led ahead of the train that you're on right now? Like, I mean, is, like, is, is it a situation where each of those five years, like, the season ends and then you're saying, I don't know where I'm going? Or, like, do you kind of have an idea by the time those years are winding up? No, yeah, you you don't have any, uh, for, in my, in my case, I didn't have any idea. Um, so I went to the NBA summer league for multiple years. I don't know how many it was, uh, at least four, I think. Um, and there it's another opportunity to be seen in front of NBA teams and also, uh, European teams as well. So for me in those early years, uh, a lot of decisions were made following, uh, the NBA summer league. Uh, so that's something that I, I think a lot of people, I don't think we've thought of that, but I'm sure a lot of people hasn't haven't of the NBA summer league being a vehicle to be noticed by European teams. Is that standard? Like a lot of guys from Europe will come back to those leagues and play to try to get that visibility. I think it depends on where you're at in your career. Um, The season's really long here. So I left, let's to give an example, like this season, I left August 8th, I think. And we just finished our season and I'll be returning stateside in another week. And then the season, so it's 10 months roughly. Um, wow. So depending on where you're at in your career, age-wise or goals, like um, you might you might turn down the NBA Summer League for various reasons. You might turn down Summer League for various reasons, whether it be family, age, body. Uh, perhaps you have a great contract overseas and you don't want to um, turn that down. Um, but... Uh, no, so for various guys, like various reasons, but I, I, a lot of a lot of younger guys will definitely uh, pursue their dream of uh, trying to play in the NBA because why not, right? You got if you get an opportunity, you try and make the most of it and take advantage of it. Sure, um, is you know speaking of your road, kind of as a young player, like you said, you're going team to team, you're going back to the summer league, you're trying to impress people, and then eventually, you know, we're kind of wondering. Was there ever a specific moment where as all this is going on, you kind of have this realization that like, I've made a foothold here. Like I'm an impact player in Europe. I can make a full career of this overseas. Was there a particular stop in your career that you had that moment of realization? Um, not really. Um, merely because like we had mentioned, you're on one-year contracts each year. So 
it's stressful in that like each year you have to prove it in order to main at least maintain where you're at or to go up another go up to a higher team or uh hopefully a, a better paying job or a better city or whatnot so I, there's no real time for comfortability um so you kind of have you have to keep that competitive edge um and it's different in that each year you don't know you probably don't know your teammates when you're going into that situation and a lot of them are in your same shoes where they're trying to prove it so you really um you have to hope you go to a good organization that um does some homework on like on the personality of guys as well because if it's all guys that are just trying to get stats and their numbers then a lot of times the team won't do well and um in turn you probably won't find uh the contract you're hoping for the following year it's i'm so curious about that just i don't think we had we hadn't been thinking about that but you just bringing up makes a great point where i'm i'm so curious like so what is that like like every time you're coming into a brand new team all teammates who don't know each other or a lot of times don't know each other every year. And I would assume there's, there are language barriers sometimes too. Like, is it like, is it a difficult situation? Are certain times or places more difficult than others? Like, like how, how difficult is it to make that come together at the start of a season? Yeah. I think those early years when you like, when I went to France my first year, I had no idea what was going on and you're just, caught up in the moment and you have to, I got lucky. I had some good veterans who kind of took me under their wings and almost adopted me into their families, which was helpful um, in terms of guys that had proven themselves and felt comfortable in their roles where they were willing to help me along the way. Um, whereas it had, had I gone to a team with just young players, they would have uh, just said, get out of my way. I'm here to like, they just viewed me as competition the whole time. Um, but when going to teams with, yeah, guys from all over the place, like when I was in Turkey, it's uh, a bit of a, more of a culture shock, I would say, in term, from Spain or France, just with um, different religion. And like you have the call to prayer throughout the day and you have uh, guys uh, I had playing with having like a Turkish head coach and having um, guys from Slovenia, like this year we have guys from all over, whether it be France, Senegal, Serbia, I played in Croatia for one year. So it's uh, language, the language barrier can be a bit of an issue, but basketball is its own language kind of in itself uh, in terms of where to be on the floor and how to play the game, um, especially coming from, you know, when I was playing, we ran the Princeton offense. So it was a lot of cutting and reading and things like that, which I think was really we, helpful. We remember, we remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I think that was helpful, but, um, there's a lot of, a lot of different adjustments, but it's also amazing. Like I, I feel like I've been, you know, complaining here in the beginning, but no, I get to live out my dream. I get to play basketball. I get to meet people from all over the world who I would have you see different viewpoints and you really like it uh, definitely broadens your horizons and it's fun. You get to play and hear different opinion. Like you know that uh, I'm definitely, definitely lucky and fortunate. So I'm, uh, I'm enjoying the ride here. Yeah, no, I mean, it did, again, like from our perspective, it's not complaining. It's just fascinating. I mean, I think we were thinking you bring up Turkey. I mean, I remember we were reading, Lindsay Pulliam was playing in Turkey, um, like one or two years after, you know, she graduated from NU and just wondering like, what is that like? Like how, you know, making it, making it all fit. Um, you mentioned for, you know, early on in your career, you're fortunate, at least from like a social perspective to have some earlier, some older players kind of take you under their wing. I'm curious if, I mean, obviously like so much of the college experience is based on development and based on like continuity and then you go to a place where, again, you're bouncing around. Like, was there a particular stop early on in your career where there were, you know, whether it be veteran players or particular coaches that helped your development relative to the pro game? Ooh, um, 
You're saying like early on in my career in Europe? I'm just, yeah. I mean, or like, were there, were the, like, was there a particular stop in your career where you're like, oh, like I learned this or like I was able to develop in this way that helped me as a pro basketball player? Yeah. I, any of those early years, I would say just from the standpoint of my role at Northwestern, I was more of a leading role like I had much more freedom whereas um when adjusting to the pro game you're basically you have to be the best at your role so you really have to find your role um because they're not a lot of times if you go to a bigger club as a younger guy you're not gonna be the star player or you have to you have to be great at your role and continue to expand it. Um, so I think uh, early on having those veterans who were helpful in identifying my role and teaching me how to adapt to European basketball, I think was, was quite helpful. Gotcha. I'm curious, like you kind of talked about this earlier when you're talking about the teams, we just have it in our mind a little bit because of the Victor Wambayama situation. Like, have you ever, been on a team or been in other teams where the team has a really young player like that, but it's clear that he's just that, that they're that, that, that he is headed somewhere else. And it's just like, this guy is a big prospect, but he's not going to be staying here long term. <laughs> um, so on our team this year, we have uh, a guy by the name of Khalifa Diop who got drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers last year. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I played against Luca when he was in Real Madrid, um, and that was a guy that you're just kind of shocked by his age and skill set, and clearly uh, he's con- continued to do uh, amazing things at the NBA level. Um, right. But no, yeah, there's uh, so Luca obviously uh, comes to mind first, just based off of I think I played him. When I, when I was in Valencia my first time, he was, I think, 16, and he had just been called up. And you don't expect much. I think, like, when you hear a 16-year-old and you have, like, like a 35 on your team, um, everyone, like, oh, he's a, he's a prospect, so you expect some flashes and things like that. But his consistency and his IQ, like, he was, uh yeah. You knew even playing for Real Madrid, he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna be there too long. Right. Uh, so speaking of Real Madrid and speaking of this, you know, the Spanish league, we're curious. So I mean, eventually, after all of this flux, seems like relatively speaking, at least you've gotten a little bit of stability. I mean, and basically kind of settled in Spain. So I mean, I counter math. It's either seven or eight pro seasons consecutively in Spain for you now, um, or no total, and then six of you know the last six for two teams and the last four specifically for Gran Canaria was playing in Spain like a a choice that you made or is it simply a function of that being the top basketball league in Europe or were there other reasons that you've kind of ended up in that place I think it gave the best combination of everything um even like in comparison to picking Northwestern it had athletics Big Ten basketball um whereas like you know you get the best of best of many worlds there. Um, and in Spain, you're outside of the NBA, you're playing against, it's considered the best domestic league, um, second best domestic league in the world. Um, so you're playing against the best competition, but also living in Spain um, in terms of quality of life. Um, I've loved it. My family loves it. So um, no, you couldn't beat it in terms of both uh, the high level of play and the quality of life over here. Ed, you just reminded me, you're making the comparison to Northwestern, which, of course, makes every Northwestern fan's heart <laughs> sing, because it's that's a funny thing. It's like in all of our minds, where, especially when it comes to, like, for example, basketball recruiting or like the next wave of, of recruits coming in. When we all think that we're like, well, of course, you should pick Northwestern. Like, look at what it is, this, this and this and this. Um, <laughs> I'm sure speaking- I was. Uh, yeah. I think with my form, I don't think I was anyone that was like, oh, yeah, that guy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't, uh, I don't hey. think I'm off the page at anyone uh, if you see a highlight reel. Hey, I don't know. It's it's funny. We Speaking of which, I mean, I, the, the first time you jumped off the quote-unquote page to us, and this would have been when we were five to seven years um, to, between us out of Northwestern, but was the the three to beat Ohio State 
uh, which was way back in 09. And I think we were laughing because we were juxtaposing the fact that from the the three to beat Ohio State to the last shot you hit uh, in the Euro Cup final, that's a 14-year gap. <laughs> Making me feel old with that one. Yeah, that's... Uh... Hey, it's, it's quite a thing to be to be holding a trophy, to be holding a, a team and an individual trophy 14 years after hitting that shot. On the on the subject of Northwestern, we were before the pod. We were trying to kind of put it together and kind of running through different players and everything, um, and thinking, okay, so like who? Obviously, you've played abroad. Obviously, Juice has pray, played abroad. Players like Derek Pardons played abroad. Vic Law um, in Japan. I think Derek was in New Zealand this past year. Um, mm-hmm. I've played against Drew Crawford the past couple of years, which is fun. Um, getting to the basketball part's great, but I think getting to hang out with him, um, I've known I knew I've known Drew since high school. I, I went to Glen, I played him in high school. I went to Glenbard West. He went to Naperville Central. Um, so the fact that we played against each other when we were seventeen to now I'm thirty three is uh, fun. It's uh, it's really I would have never in a million years guessed uh, we'd be playing against each other. Uh, over here and it's great to see how much he's grown um as a player but also even more as a person um it's really fun to see uh how our lives have changed and how uh, uh what a what a great guy he has been and continues to be it's so speaking of how lives have changed um the again as as we said off the top as we were setting up this interview it became very clear um, that in addition to all of the, and you, you mentioned it off the top, but in addition to juggling all the responsibilities of a basketball career, you're juggling the responsibilities of being a husband and being a father. Um, what, what has it been like for you and for your wife to be building at least for 10 months out of the year, building this life abroad and then making a decision to, to start a family while living this life? Like what challenges go along with that? Yeah. So my kids are, my oldest will be three at the end of July, and our youngest just turned one here in May. And my wife was pregnant over here in Spain in Gran Canaria when COVID happened. So there was the pregnancy part is, uh, you know, uh, exciting and but like stressful, nerve wracking time. And so when COVID hit, it was uh, even more nerve wracking, uh, but everything worked out. We have two healthy, beautiful kids. Um, but it's, uh, no, this here in Spain feels more like home to my, they spent more time here in Gran Canaria than they have, um, in the States. So we've been fortunate to call this place home and it's, uh, no, they, uh, they love it. There's a lot of, you have to find like doctors and trying to find schools for your kids and all of, all the things parents go through, uh, it's just uh, perhaps a little more challenging given the language barrier and just different culture. So you have to adapt to that. But um, I've been fortunate to have some great teammates as well who have been helpful with that. It's, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, we're thinking yeah. about How that. Being like, kids, if you don't mind me asking. Say what? How old are you guys kids, if you don't mind me asking? I think the full range. I'm trying to think now. This guy's good. It's it's <laughs> old, oldest or oldest are either nine or ten, and then it gets younger from there. But it's probably like a five a five year spread across okay. six total kids. So yeah, there it's and it's the same. I mean that's the thing. We were all talking about that, and and again, it's like just putting this pod together on a weekly basis means <laughs> juggling bedtimes and yeah. whose kids are sick, whose kids are not sick, and then we're. <laughs> We're folding that in and we're thinking, man, right. like you're you're traveling, like you said, you've got that crazy schedule that the team has. And then like does have have you tried to kind of set up or not tried, but I mean, do you have a specific base of operations where where your family always is at all the time that you're abroad and then you always are returning to that place, or does your family travel around? Like like how have you kind of set things up? So we will typically, yeah, so we'll stay in Spain for these 10 months. Um, and both uh, both my wife and I are from the western suburbs of uh, Chicago. So we call that home for 
the two months, uh, the, the t for however, for that time period, we're home. Um, and it's really mainly just an opportunity to see friends and family, uh, for mainly the, the grandparents are more excited to see their grandkids than they are like myself <laughs> or my wife. Uh, sure. but it's, uh, no. So that part is probably the biggest incentive to go home just to see, uh, how happy my kids are seeing, uh, seeing my parents. Um, but also for my parents, um, I think, uh, go means probably even more to them getting to spend that time with them. Sure. I mean, it's the, it's, I mean, it's an amazing thing to, to have to juggle and that you're making it work. Um, for, from a, a basketball perspective, I guess to talk, to talk about the, the, the specific thing that kind of popped you right back onto the, the radar of every Northwestern fan, um, is this special run that Grand Canaria made that we talked about earlier during the Euro cup. Um, and I think one of the things that hit home with a lot of Northwestern fans on that is the kind of the parallels, not only to this particular past season that Northwestern hoops have had, but to but to your years at Northwestern as well, which again, as we said earlier, still to this day, arguably the longest period of sustained success that the program has had. So what has this run been like for you? Like, what is it like for you? What is it like? to be in the Canary Islands, you know, with the supporters of this team while your team is going on this run, while you're a big part of that. Um, first of all, like what, what has that experience been like? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a wild ride. Uh, cause it's a, it's a pretty, like I was mentioning with the travel and everything, it's a long and strenuous season, but then, um, the playoff format is single elimination. Um, so it was week by week, um, just, uh, so I had to get, so I had, I played in this competition for multiple years now and I had been to the semifinals twice and we had been upset the year prior. So there was, uh, a lot of motivation and a lot of trying to at least get past the semifinals and try to try to win it all. Um, and so it was, we, we're fortunate we played a team from Turkey to start, and then we played a team from Paris, and then another team from Spain, and then we finished with another team from Turkey, um, Turk Telecom, in the finals. And we had 10,000 fans at our last at our last home game, um, and it was uh, it ended up being a big party by the end of it, which was amazing, uh, especially uh, the fans here. Uh, really passionate so to uh you get to celebrate uh in front of your home crowd is definitely something special and uh no having my family there like when you bring up family like getting to have my family there uh my wife worked it might not have been might not have been seen on the court but my wife worked just as hard if not harder than me off the court trying to make everything work uh, whether it be traveling or the kids or with having injuries and stuff like that so she uh she did a lot of heavy lifting, so I think she. I hope. I hope she had just as much joy as I did uh, uh, winning that trophy. It was for us. I mean, it's funny. We were going, and then we were just going back, and we watched the highlights in the moment, and then went back and watched it. And I mean, it just. It, I mean, obviously, it, it was just such a flashback for us because you were hot. You got. You got. It. And uh, and it just it was it took us down um, memory lane for sure. Um, I mean, it, it looked incredible. I mean, is there is there that experience of, I mean, I, I guess folding into that. I mean, when you know, are are you getting that experience of like walking down the street? I mean, because I assume the Canary. I mean, it must be. Um, I mean, I I don't know the geography. Like the capital of the Canary Islands is what's the capital of the Canary Islands? Last uh, of Gran Canaria is Las Palmas. And that, and so are you like when you're out and about there? Is it like that? being that it's a tight community, I mean, is that recognition factor or? I've definitely been recognized more following uh, this Euro Cup run. Um, but I think, you know, soccer is still, soccer is still king here. Uh, but okay. no, uh, we have, we have great fans and I've been recognized more. And uh, my son's been recognized, like from uh, the kids at his school get excited and stuff like that. Um, but uh, 
soccer, soccer is still soccer is still king here. Yeah, it's it's funny bringing up to. We definitely had a couple of soccer fans that we were talking about trying to schedule work work with your schedule when you were kind of in between a, a home and home with Real Madrid and trying to explain that. <laughs> Obviously, in the soccer community, carries a lot of weight. You know, it's as we talk about the the development and and again we talked earlier about the gap and and us seeing the parallels between the success you're having and the success that you had at Northwestern we were thinking about kind of the way the game has has changed in in again that 14 year gap between that three against Ohio State and and now um and one of the big changes is um is obviously NIL and the ability for college athletes to profit off of their own name and likeness like do you, first of all do you ever look back and wish you know that you've been able to move some John Sherna merch back in the day I uh, yeah uh, obviously but uh it's also one of those things where things always no matter what time like things always get better once you leave whether it be like sure. you know things always improve so I'm sure the people before me looked at the facilities we had and were like wow like I wish I got to I wish I had those facilities and to now you look at the facilities at Northwestern. So things always, things always improve and get better. So sure. Yes. Do I wish I could have? Yeah. But I'm very happy with my Northwestern experience too. Yeah. Scuzz and I both worked for four years at Norris. And then every time we would go back every couple of years afterwards, there'd be like five more flat screens on the wall or something like that. And being like, you know, yeah exactly yeah, like it was so yeah it seemed good when we were there you know if you think about the people i always think like you know the people 10 years prior to you probably thought like oh man you guys had it great at norris and now you look at it and it's, <laughs> yeah exactly good they have it yeah, yeah exa- exactly um i'm curious really specific question because i feel like so many americans have had that experience at some point of trying to have to explain the American amateurism model to a European. And I'm just curious in that, like, have you ever had a situation as a, a pro athlete where, where as a basketball player, where you've had a conversation with a teammate or with someone who's only known the European system of basketball and tried to explain like how the American college system works and why, why anyone would want to do that? um i'm trying to think off the top of my head if i've had that conversation with people uh i think around march madness all of my teammates all of a sudden you know are more interested in college basketball but um so i definitely stuck my chest out this year even more um but no uh people people ask where i went to college but in terms of like why would I go to university as opposed to like the professionalism, uh, the pro basketball overseas here? Um, I can't say I've really had that conversation with people. I suppose it's probably evolved a little bit because now you have so many Europeans who are coming and playing basketball in the U.S. Um, or playing co- college ball. Yeah, a lot of uh, playing college ball, but also uh, the you know a lot of prideful people. Uh, in terms of watching the NBA now, you know, like we, right now Jokic is playing, uh, you know, a lot of prideful uh, Serbians. Giannis won the MVP, uh, you know, uh, Greek, uh, Luca from Slovenia and been playing in Spain. Um, so um, you could keep going down, sure. down the list of Paolo, I think is Italian technically, or Franz Wagner, like, I'm sure I'm missing a lot of guys, but European basketball over the last decade, 15 years has really grown. And I think you see a strong influence um, in the NBA game as well now. Sure. Absolutely. I think we were putting together a list, talking with some, some friends we know through like the kind of podcast space and putting together and being like, man, if you were, if there was a, a U.S. versus the world Ryder Cup style tournament right now, the U.S. would be in big trouble. Um, and that would be fun. Uh, that would be fun to watch. Yeah, it'd be uh, yeah an entertaining game. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. 
Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Simpson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SimpsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation. And go Cats. Going back to kind of the dawn of the of the your pro career, and again, the parallel we drew with you know, where Chase Adige is right now, but certainly like someone like Boo Booey, he's not, he's coming back, but obviously Don of the pro career for him. Like what advice, you know, would you, or do you give to, to guys like that who are just starting, who are at that place you were back then, whether it be Chase or Boo or, or any player, Northwestern or not? Um, like, are, are there any things about the European game or, or pro ball in general that you wish someone would have told you when you were starting out? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I would say, you know, for Chase going through these workouts, uh, I would, it's cheesy, but you have to really be all in, um, in terms of, you know, what you do in preparation before the workout and be, you know, everyone, people are calling, asking about you prior to this and they, they're going to see you work out. Um, and they'll know – I don't know if the workout means a ton in terms of – they've seen you on tape. They've seen you play against the best competition in the Big Ten and NCAA tournament. Um, but really, they want to know you as a player and your personality. So I think if you just show, like, that competitive edge and that competitive nature, I think uh, I think he'll impress a lot of teams with his, his defensive tenacity, obviously, and his – size and frame I think a lot of teams will be intrigued by a lot of things he has to offer and I think uh if you show you're a professional you have a a great work ethic I think that's really what a lot of teams want to see if you can you can find your niche find your niche find your role um like whether you know he's going to be a three and d guy most likely is how teams will view him and I think if he can you know continue to continue to grow and just be the dog that he was on defense throughout the year and, you know, continue to grow his offensive game. I think, I think he'll have a lot of, a lot of opportunities and there should be a lot of intrigue by him. So were you guys, I, so like I said, I didn't get to listen, like I didn't listen to your podcast during the, the tournament run, but in comparison to the first time we made it um, with Taphorn and Pardon and Vic and all those guys, like, was this year more of a higher celebration from the because you it was from the start of big from the start of the season you kind of just rode the wave right like whereas the pardon one happened like right at the end and then all right we're in whereas this one was well I think I, I would say two different things and yeah we we've we have certainly talked about it on the pod a ton I think the first was from our perspective with the the pardon year there was very much the feeling coming into that year that Northwestern had set the table and now this was going to be the year, right? I think a lot of people had circled that year as, as, as okay, this is it. This team has all the pieces. They're going to take a real shot at that. With this one, anyone who says they saw it coming is a liar. Like that was, I mean, it's really easy in hindsight to look at these performances and be like, unbelievable. Like what, but I mean, the leap that this team took as a whole so that would be the first difference. And then the second thing, and and I mean, and I don't know if you've had this experience or you've been able to go back, I think because of your travel schedule, but speaking to the point of looking back and being like, man, like, like the kids today have it so great. That stadium is amazing. The, oh the, my gosh. Yeah. I haven't been the, able to go to a game, but uh, like I've walked through it uh, in the summertime. I go back and I'll, uh, you know, Coach Collins is always great. Um, and I get to walk around the stadium. It's, it's incredible. We like, uh, no, it's state of the art. And all, all my friends are like former players, like were raving about the atmosphere this year, saying it was incredible. Like obviously the stadium state of the art, but they said, it was as loud as they ever heard it this year. Yeah, we had all been able. So, like the obviously, women's basketball had a great couple of years there, and we'd been to yeah. a bunch of games, and that was great. Yeah. But the suddenly having, especially toward the back half of this men's season, a capacity crowd like senior night, 
it was packed and it was a 100% partisan crowd, which is something that no, right. there's not a lot of precedent. <laughs> Yeah. So it was, it was so, so, I mean, that would, from our perspective, that would be um, the, the big difference, but I mean, obviously now everyone's so amped up, you know, heading into the the coming year and knowing kind of, it's a similar place, right. We're knowing the success that to, to, to that first tourney team, knowing the success the team had last year and having the anticipation, but also having that facility. Um, but yeah. so, so if we jump back to, Again, we talked about the the place yeah, where I the team is right now. Off track. No, I was no, just, uh, no. I was, not, I was on not, live not, on watching uh, watching and no. this year, so it was uh, like like Bella. like anyone talking about the season. Like we have to guard ourselves because we'll be put like Sam and I were sitting mid court for the Purdue game this year. So I mean, like I could oh, like I God. could lose an hour just telling <laughs> stories from that game. Um, it was. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it was incredible. Um, but the, so kind of jumping all the way back across this, this, this golf, I mean, that, that spans this awesome career you've had pros, you know, let's, if, if we kind of arrive at the present here, so you're heading into your mid thirties on one hand, but on the other hand, you're playing some of the best ball of your career and you're playing for a team that's having some of the, the biggest success that you've had from a team standpoint in your pro career. So with all that mixed together, like how do you see the the future playing out from here? Like, what are your goals for your career, and kind of where? How are you looking forward right now? Yeah, I still, I still love playing, um, but like we mentioned, having a having a family makes uh, a lot a lot more factors going into the, the decision making from here. But I, like you said, I'm playing some of my best basketball, so I hope I can continue to play for as long as I can, um, just cause I love playing. My family is loving life over here. So I think as long as my, my family and my kids are happy and healthy and doing well, and I'm my wife and family, as long as everyone's happy and healthy, uh, you know, I think, uh, I'll try to ride it out here as long as I can. Cause I'm, uh, I realize how fortunate I am to be playing a game. I get to play a game uh, I love with my family here now and I get to live in Spain and I and get to be a professional basketball player. So I'm, uh, I realize how lucky I am. So I'm going to try to ride this out as long as I can. Absolutely. And so, and, and a final, a final question, um, something that I think Northwestern nation is, is very curious about now that we have some time and distance uh, to kind of look, look at, this a very particular seismic shift in hoops that's happened over the past decade plus. Does it ever annoy you that all of the credit for the chest release three point revolution goes to Steph Curry? Where's your piece of that legacy? <laughs> I don't think I have any piece of that legacy, nor <laughs> nor nor should I. I think uh <laughs> I, I, each team I've been on, and rightfully and understandably so, my shot gets made fun of. Like, uh, like, oh, like uh, they compliment it, it goes in. But no matter what, there's at least two or three guys that'll mock and make fun of it, and I, you just have to laugh at it. It's fun. Like we had a when I was in Valencia, we had Secret Santa, and my teammate as the gag gift got me a neck brace. <laughs> you know, like for my shot, like <laughs> my head snapping back, like. <laughs> You have to no, I uh, <laughs> no, uh, no. Everywhere I go, I uh, it definitely gets made fun of, but I uh, I wouldn't have it any other way at this point. It's I mean again, it's there were the I'd say the collective joy Northwestern Nation thought thinking back to so many of the big shots you hit over your career and then watching that Euro Cup final and being like there it is that's the shot like just looking at it and being like nothing's changed it's still great so thank you so so yeah so you know thank you so much for coming on um this is so great thank you for catching all of us up um and 
you know, and congratulations on this run that you're on. I mean, it's fantastic. We can't wait to watch Gran Canaria play in EuroLeague next year and just see where you take it from here. Thank you. Thanks for thanks for having me on. This was uh, fun to catch up. I hope I gave an update if people care, but <laughs> honestly, it was fun just to talk to uh, some fellow Northwestern uh, alums and congrats on all your success with the podcast. And uh, I'll definitely be uh, tuned into the podcast as with the time changes over here it will probably be my best way of keeping up with uh, the sports during uh, during the season because I mean what a what a year for Northwestern athletics too eh? with the lacrosse team and the softball team like all around so no I'm uh, I'm excited especially uh, how are we feeling about the football team is that so many successful teams this past okay. year, John. Uh, right, so right. many successful teams. <laughs> I, I go back. I always meet with some of my friends, uh, some former, uh, some of the football guys. Like uh, I meet with like Persa and Brian Mulrow. We always get together, um, and you know, I always, uh, you know, I'm biased, but always very optimistic uh, going into each season. Uh, so, so lo- I mean, depends lo- on your success. I apologize. That's long-winded, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm uh, appreciate you guys having me on. No, absolutely. And yeah, long, long term, we're, uh, we know, like, we take the long view and like the team's going to pull itself up. They'll have their own new facility soon enough. But, uh, you know, for right now, we've got, yeah. Prior, prior to this year, the basketball team, you said, you know, what were uh, the expectations going in? So you never know. Got to keep the po- positive vibes. We'll, we'll be a good year for the Cats. Absolutely. Hey, thanks again so much for coming on and, uh, and all the best of success down the road. Appreciate it. Thanks again, guys. Uh, once again, John Sherna, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, John, that was that was phenomenal. That, that was so enlightening, so great to hear, and so much good info from, from him. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, it's so informative. It's like he's he was so great at, at taking us through every step of his career, everything that he's learned. I mean, it's just like we, like I'm sure all of you listening, we're all had so many questions, and he... Gabe gave so many fantastic answers um, for everything. I wanted to say right here, like a special shout out to Scuzz who had just because he's not here right now. And Scuzz had the great idea to try to put this together um, and put the legwork in to, to make it happen. And, and again, as we said off the top, getting the between the three of us and John Sherna, who again is on the other side of the Atlantic, um, all of us putting it together, like it just, it just became clear there was almost never going to be a time where there was a time that worked for everybody, and Scuzz was the odd man out here. But again, shouts to Scuzz for putting this together, and um, and again, we hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, so we're gonna uh, be back. Um, summer vacation is starting. Uh, we were hard at work on the football previews. Uh, we'll you know be back with those in, in a couple weeks, but I think. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of time. Um, I know, John, you're going on vacation. Uh, and we all have summer's beginning. And uh, so, again, bear with us. Uh, we will be back to talk football. Um, you know, it, it's sort of the quiet season. Uh, of course, the second we finish recording this, Colorado's going to jump to the Big 12. The Pac-12 is going to completely implode. Um UConn is going to join the SEC. I don't know. Like the, <laughs> who, who even knows? I'm like, it, 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 it is it, all craziness. Yeah. And, and in the, I mean, again, we've started to work with all of our, I mean, the, the landscape, right. We've, we've started to dive into our big 10 previews and you're almost kind of looking and being like, am I going to do this whole big 10 preview? And then this team's going to grab some unbelievable player out of the portal because like, that's the world we're in now. And it's like, we're going to, we're going to soldier all soldier through it all. And uh, yeah. We're going to have all the all the preview content you're used to expecting from us throughout the summer. Um, but yeah, just with a little bit of a layoff here. Yeah, a lot of new faces in, in places. I mean, keeping track of all the transfers and keep, you know, you know, who's who's with where and, you know, how many yards is Iowa going to get on offense and when will that actually mean Brian Ferentz gets fired? <laughs> I, we'll, I, we'll just have to wait and find out. I was going to say, I know the answer to that question. <laughs> Five, yeah. six, seven, eight, maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, in any case, um, stay tuned. Uh, keep up with us online. You know, we'll 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 be there. We'll keep everyone as informed as we can be about when we're going to be starting with the previews. Um, as always, we'll start off with the uh, Big Ten teams. Northwestern will not be playing, and then we'll go through the schedule uh, team by team. Um, 
and you know, maybe give a kind of look at the schedule as a whole. I, I know we've started to to look at you know FP or S and P plus and some of the advanced metrics kind of going into things. Tell you know stats can tell interesting stories, and you know there's a way to spin everything the way you want it to be spun. So. I guess at the end of the day, we're just going to have to wait and see when things kick off on Sunday night. Um, you know, Northwestern, or it's not even Sunday night. Northwestern Rutgers, Sunday afternoon, gets the CBS slot at uh, noon Eastern uh, that, that very first week. So we'll have the nation's eyes uh, on the first Big Ten game on yeah. CBS. Northwestern yes. Rutgers, exactly yeah. what everyone wanted. Yes, the nation's eyes will be on Northwestern <laughs> Rutgers. <laughs> But yeah. oh, well, with, with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates, and email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us in the west side of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.